Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and happy President's Day. Royfield here giving you a little bit of a snippet, um, a choice cut of the next 10 American Presidents episode. I decided to do a show on impeachment because um, it's somewhat timely, but goes to the heart of one of the aspects of the presidency, or at least one of the checks potentially on a president. Um, This show isn't exactly completed yet. I'm hoping, and I know I've said this before, if you follow the Facebook group, you'll know that I make extravagant promises all over the place. But I'm hoping that this week, by the end of this week, this show will be completely done and in the can. So you'll get the whole one hour plus of it. But considering it's um, a public holiday for some in the United States because it's at least the, the public holiday that celebrates his birthday, sometimes known as President's Day, I thought, well, why not put this up for loyal listeners? Now, talking about loyal listeners, I have to thank Robert Abernethy, who donated um, a huge amount of money to 10 American presidents this week. Robert, this show, in large part, is down to your donation. So this show is brought to you by Robert Abernethy, who uh, gave us a very kind donation. If you would like to support the show and my work and my endeavours of getting this up, you can go to 10usp.com. That's 10usp.com and hit that donate button. What I've decided to do, folks, is this. I'm going to put out a show each month this year. Now, that's going to be a little bit tricky for me because I do have my intelligent speech conference in June. I have uh, other live shows to do for other podcasts that I do, but I'm going to do it because the whole point of me being in America is actually to cover in detail 10 American presidents, actually to get the show out there and done. It's an election year. So what greater inducement do I have than the fact that um, come November... There could be a new president-elect, and that would be somewhat seismic. So um, why don't you help me 
to get these shows out, go on to 10USP.com, 10USP.com, hit that donate button, or you can go on to patreon.com and contribute whatever little money that you have spare. But anyway, happy President's Day, folks. Go on to Facebook if you'd like to uh, join in with our Facebook group. But as I said, happy President's Day. Here is a little snippet, a choice cut, a morsel of the forthcoming show on impeachment that features Corey Brett Schneider, constitutional law scholar, opining about the history of impeachment. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Mr. Pop. <laughs> Seven years ago, when in the course of human events, and so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. There is not a black America, and a white America, and Latino America, and Asian America. There's the United States of America. My name is Corey Bretschneider, professor of political science at Brown University. I also am a visiting professor at Fordham Law School where I teach constitutional law, and I'm recording this from my home in New York City. The Pennsylvania Gazette, 24th of October, 1787. On the safety of the people, from the restraints imposed upon the Senate. We have seen that the late honorable convention in designating the nature of the chief executive office of the United States has deprived it of all the dangerous appendages of royalty and provided for the frequent expiration of its limited powers. As our president bears no resemblance to a king, so we shall see the Senate have no similitude to nobles. First, then, not being hereditary, their collective knowledge, wisdom, and virtue are not precarious, for by these qualities alone they are able to obtain their offices, and they will have none of the peculiar follies and vices of those men who possess power merely because their fathers held it before them. In the summer of 1787, there was a feeling that the Articles of the Confederation had really given way too little power to the federal government. And an initial thought was that there needed to be a convention in Philadelphia to fix the Articles of Confederation, and delegates were sent. And quickly that plan was scrapped, and the decision was made, no, actually, we're going to write a new constitution that gives much more power to the federal government than the Articles of Confederation, which were extremely weak, were able to do. What happens in that convention is that a new framework for government is set up, Article 1, creating a new Congress, Article 2, the Office of the Presidency, which certainly didn't exist before, and Article 3, the Judiciary. And within those grants of power, the balances have to be struck between them. And as importantly, very importantly for our purposes, a limit has to be placed on each of these branches and for our purposes, most importantly, on the President of the United States. And that limit in the form of impeachment and removal is going to come through the Constitution's text. The power is going to be given, the sole power to 
impeach is going to be given through Article 1 to the House of Representatives. And Article 1 is also going to give the sole power to try and remove a president to the Senate. The Chief Justice, who under Article 3 leads the Supreme Court, is actually going to play a role here. He's going to leave his or her branch of government and go to the Senate and preside over a Senate trial. Senators, how say you? Is the respondent guilty or not guilty? There's a debate in Philadelphia during the um, Constitutional Convention about the powers of a president and the limits, and specifically a fundamental question comes up, which is, what do we do when a president has abused the office, abused power in such a way that we no longer want him or her to continue to govern? And one thought at the time was, well, we have this fundamental check, and that's called elections. Every four years, we can replace a president. But for many, that wasn't enough. There were some members of that convention who worried about presidential power becoming too extreme, the president becoming a monarch. And so the fundamental check that was put in was a legal way to remove a president. Of course, if you opposed the king and tried to depose of the king, that was treasonous. And uh, the only way to do that was to kill the king. Uh, I guess there was at one point a a system of British impeachments, but they were mostly in course uh, to do with public officials, not the king himself. Now, how were they going to do it? There were two parts to impeachment originally proposed, and that was treason and bribery. And then the thought was we need a broader understanding of the kind of crimes that might come up, the kind of height, well, well, we'll get to that, the kind of abuses of power, I should say, that could come up. And one proposal that was voted on was that it would be high crimes and maladministration. And that was meant to be a very broad category. And the objection was it's too broad. I mean, we're going to depose of a president who, for instance, has bad policies that we don't agree with. It seemed to set up something more like a no confidence vote, I think, the way I would describe it. And maladministration was seen as too broad. And yet treason and bribery were too specific. And there were kinds of abuses of power that were thought that a president could engage in that would be so serious that we couldn't wait until the election, that we'd have to depose him or her legally before that. And so this third phrase comes up, high crimes and misdemeanors. And that's a phrase taken from British parliamentary procedure. As I said, the British parliament involved in the law of offices. You could could lose your office for uh, not just any kind of bad behavior, but for a kind of serious breach of duty. And that was meant to convey this sort of serious breach of duty, uh, high crimes and misdemeanors. If you look In a criminal law casebook, there's not a category of the American criminal law called high crimes. Instead, this was meant to convey this broader idea of an abuse of power. And so in the Federalist Papers, we see, for instance, Hamilton discuss this idea that an abuse of the public trust is what they were getting at, that this broader phrase was meant to say, okay, there are specific worries about treason and bribery, but beyond that, if the president damages democracy in some way, then we've got this third category that we can use. The powers of the Senate continued from the New York packet, March 7th, 1788, Alexander Hamilton, to the people of the state of New York. The remaining powers which the plan of the convention allots to the Senate in a distinct capacity are comprised in their participation with the executive in the appointment to offices and in their judicial character as a court for the trial of impeachments. As in the business of appointments, the executive will be the principal agent The provisions relating to it will most properly be discussed in the examination of that department. We will, therefore, conclude this head with a view of the judicial character of the Senate. A well-constituted court for the trial of impeachments is an object not more to be desired than difficult to be obtained in a government wholly elective. 
The subjects of its jurisdiction are those offenses which proceed from the misconduct of public men, or, in other words, from the abuse or violation of some public trust. They are of a nature which may be, with peculiar propriety, be denominated political, as they relate chiefly to injuries done immediately to the society itself. The prosecution of them, for this reason, will seldom fail to agitate the passions of the whole community, and to divide it into parties more or less friendly or inimical to the accused. In many cases, it will connect itself with the pre-existing factions, and will enlist all their animosities, partialities, influence, and interest on one side or on the other, and in such cases there will always be the greatest danger that the decision will be regulated more by the comparative strength of parties than by the real demonstrations of innocence or guilt. The convention, it appears, thought the Senate the most fit depository of this important trust. Those who can best discern the intrinsic difficulty of the thing will be the least hasty in condemning that opinion, and will be most inclined to allow due weight to the arguments which may be supposed to have produced it. To understand impeachment, we've really got to go back to the summer uh, of 1787 when the Constitution was being drafted. And one of those days, July 20th, a lot of debate is focused on the question of impeachment itself and what this power will involve. And there are, of course, two issues, I think, that we have to just begin with. One is, how is this going to work? What's the process of impeachment and removal going to be? This is a big deal. And the second is about the standard. What kind of instance, what kind of action can a president take that would be so serious that he or she should be removed from office? So I'll begin with just the, the first point. Um, if you look in the Constitution, it's the House of Representatives in Article 1, which creates the Congress, is given the power of impeachment. And the Senate is given the power to try all impeachments. I'll just read to you that paragraph. Uh, the Senate shall have the sole power to try all impeachments. When sitting for that purpose, they shall be on oath or affirmation. When the President of the United States is tried, the Chief Justice shall preside, and no person shall be convicted without the concurrence of two-thirds of the members present. And then it goes on, judgment in cases of impeachment shall not extend further than to removal from office, and disqualification to enjoy any office of honor. So when we combine that language, it's not a huge amount. We see that basically a majority of the House of Representatives impeaches a president. That's the first part of the process. And then the process moves to the House. And the word try is used. There's a trial in the Senate. But the Senate has the sole power to conduct this trial. So it's very different from the normal instance of a judicial trial, where a criminal trial, for instance. And the language is clear, too, that we're not talking about putting somebody in jail. We're talking instead about removing a president or judge from office and disqualifying them, possibly, too, for any future office, uh, from coming back and being reelected, for instance. And over time, uh, it's clear that the removal requires two-thirds, but the question of disqualification that in cases of judicial impeachments, for instance, the Senate has taken a second vote, uh, majority vote uh, for that process and at times uh, disqualified judges. Now, in the case of presidential impeachment, if we were to get a two thirds majority, that would result in immediate removal and then a second vote would happen should the president be disqualified from running again. 
the Chief Justice of the United States presides. Now, that's a little confusing because the Chief Justice, of course, is the head of the judicial branch over cases involving uh, courts, the sort of top rung of our courts and cases of judicial review, considering whether or not legislation is constitutional or not. But here, the Chief Justice has more of a sort of ceremonial role. I think he or she is there in order to convey the seriousness of the proceedings. But the fact that it's the Senate that has the sole power to conduct the trial really means that the Chief Justice, although he or she is the presiding officer, can be overridden by a majority of the Senate, that this is going to be run by Senate rules. So the process is majority in the House, two-thirds in the Senate for removal, and then a second vote, 50% for disqualification. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Now, if we move on to the second question of high crimes and misdemeanors, we need to move away from Article One of the Constitution, which creates the Congress and gives the Congress certain powers and duties, including this power of impeachment and removal. We've talked about the question of how we impeach and remove a president and the process that the Constitution outlines in its text. But now we've got to really address another question. Article 1 defines that process of how the House impeaches and the Congress convicts and removes a president and then potentially after that even disqualifies a president. But if we move to Article 2, we see the Constitution standard, what the House and Senate are supposed to be discussing when they talk about impeachment and removal. And it's not just any kind of bad policy. It's certainly not just I disagree with the president's policies or um, his politics or her politics. Instead, what Section 4 of Article 2 says 
is the president, vice president, and civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Now, we've got to figure out what that phrase means uh, and what's supposed to be happening here. And the first confusion, I think, that we've got to clear up, even though it's the Senate that's going to conduct this trial and the House that's going to conduct the impeachment, it sounds like we're in the realm of criminal law that a high crime and misdemeanor sounds like a a serious crime, a violation of the criminal statutes. But let's remember that this is drafted as part of a convention in 1787 in Philadelphia, when the entire framework for the United States government is being created. So there is no United States code, no set of criminal statutes at the time. They're referring instead to something else. The phrase high crimes and misdemeanors, if you were to look through a criminal law casebook, for instance, you wouldn't find a category or a section of a class that was about that topic. And that's because it really isn't talking about crime crimes, about violations of criminal statutes as they now exist. Instead, what the framers were trying to get at uh, was something that wasn't so narrow that it was defined as a specific crime like treason and bribery, which certainly are and were, um, were considered crimes, but something broader than that, that were High crimes and misdemeanors was meant to refer to a kind of abuse of power. At one point in the convention, there's a discussion, should we use the term maladministration? And that was thought to be too broad. That sounded more like open to the kind of partisan bickering and politics that was really about that you thought the president wasn't doing a good job, wasn't efficient or something, doing his or her duty. And so high crimes and misdemeanors is supposed to suggest something that's narrower than the broader idea of maladministration, but broader than any criminal statute defines. There were uh, common law understandings of crimes, uh, common law being defined by judges at the time rather than by criminal statutes. There's some argument by some scholars that this was a kind of abuse of power, was a common law criminal offense. But to me, the way to understand what they were doing is to look to the Federalist Papers and to look at Alexander Hamilton. And he talked about high crimes and misdemeanors as abuses of the public trust, as a sort of violation of the need for any president to protect and respect our democracy. And high crimes and misdemeanors was meant to convey something, of course, narrower than just the average instance of a president doing something bad that people disagreed with. Every president would be subject to impeachment if that was the case. And instead, this idea of public trust was meant to suggest a president that really threatened the republic itself, threatened the democracy. And notice the language, right? It's not just that they can do this. It's that they shall, the president, vice president, and civil officers of the United States shall be removed if they threaten our democracy. So when we put that together, we've got this power that's not really reviewable by courts. And in a case called Nixon versus the United States, the Supreme Court of the United States has said, look, this isn't the realm of courts. The fact that it's a sole uh, power to try means that we hand this over to the Senate to make the decision here of how to conduct this trial. And the other thing that the House and the Senate have to do is to interpret whether or not high crimes and misdemeanors have been committed or treason and bribery. And what we can do is give them a guide here to say, you know, it's not a crime crime. It's not a violation of a statute. You're not supposed to conduct this like a criminal trial would be. Instead, you're supposed to really ask, did the president do something that really imperiled the democracy as a whole?
I think, as usually was the case with the framers, there were worries on both sides. There was a worry that if the impeachment power was too strong, that the president could be subject to removal for partisan reasons and could be basically kept from serving effectively as commander in chief, from executing the laws, from doing everything that the presidency was set up to do. And I think it's pretty clear the framers did not want a no confidence vote. The British system, as our listeners know, the House of Commons can vote to basically end the government and the prime minister's rule and reconvene the, the populace for a vote. And that really wasn't what the framers wanted. And so when the phrase maladministration was suggested as a framework for impeachment, that was rejected as basically weakening the presidency in too extreme a way. But on the other hand, if it was left just as treason and bribery, the standard of impeachment, I think the thought was, you know, that's going to be too weak, that we could have a president who's really imperiling our democracy in a way that is neither treason or bribery, and yet is so serious that if we don't remove him or her, uh, the whole system could collapse. The framers knew they were creating a very powerful office, very different from any office that existed under the Articles of Confederation. There was nothing like that. And yet they didn't want an absolute monarch. They wanted the president to be limited, and not just by elections. They wanted to have a process that didn't require revolution, that didn't require violence, a legal process where a president who abused power, who violated the public trust in Hamilton's view, could be removed. And that's why this sort of compromise view of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors is, is used. The usual process for impeachment and removal involves committees. That's the first step. Now, we need to know what's going on, what the president has done if he or she is accused of a high crime and misdemeanor. And the Judiciary Committee, for instance, can do an investigation. During Watergate, there were also simultaneous Senate committees uh, that were investigating wrongdoing by the president. And as those committees did their work, I think the thought was that even though the Senate wasn't going to begin the process, it had to begin in the House, the uh, truth would come to light of possible high crimes and misdemeanors. The Rules Committee will come to order. We've listened to the hearings. We've read the transcripts. And it's clear that this president acted in a way that not only violates the public trust, he jeopardized our national security, and he undermined our democracy. He acted in a way that rises to the level of impeachment. We've outlined the Constitution's requirements for the House and the Senate to impeach and remove a president. And we've outlined high crimes and misdemeanors, uh, treason, bribery, and high crimes and misdemeanors and what that means. But practically, there are other elements of this process that will happen. And to my mind, the most important is the committee process, that because we're not having judicial trials here, evidence still has to be gathered. And the way that that usually will happen, it's not specified, but the, the sole power to impeach and to try a president has meant that the Senate and the Congress, in cases of impeachment, have convened committees that have had witnesses, tried to do fact-gathering, and those committees then, the process is, make a recommendation to the full House of Representatives, then the full House of Representatives will vote, and then the articles will be transmitted under the current rules to the Senate, and the Senate will convene itself into a new body. Remember from the Constitution that the Senate is now engaging in a kind of trial, and it's not a normal business as usual in the Senate. The Chief Justice being there symbolizes that. And the Senate sets its own rules for this trial, and under the current rules, which have been in place really since the 19th century, since the Johnson trial, the senators have to take an oath 
And what that oath says, it's required in the Constitution that they take some oath, but what it specifies in the rules is that they're going to take an oath of impartiality, that they're going to transform themselves into a new body from political beings to really, in a sense, jurors who are going to think about this question of whether or not the president or the official before them has committed a high crime or treason bribery or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Senators, I attend the Senate in conformity with your notice for the purpose of joining with you for the trial of the President of the United States. I am now prepared to take the oath. Will you place your left hand on the Bible and raise your right hand? Do you solemnly swear that in all things appertaining to the trial of the impeachment of President of the United States, now pending, you will do impartial justice according to the Constitution and the laws so help you God. I do. At this time, I will administer the oath to all senators in the chamber in conformance with Article 1, Section 3, Clause 6 of the Constitution and the Senate's impeachment rules. Will all senators now stand or remain standing uh, and raise their right hand? Do you solemnly swear that in all things appertaining to the trial of the impeachment of President of the United States, now pending, you will do impartial justice according to the Constitution and laws, so help you God. The clerk will call the names in groups of four, and senators will present themselves at the desk to sign the oath book. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.